Um, so every year I ask the Lord for a word, a word for not just me personally, uh, a word for our church for the coming year, um, where we're headed, a word to kind of like um, anchor us in the direction that, that, that God is, is leading us in. And every year he just, he gives me a word or maybe, maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's a couple of different words that um, really kind of just like anchor us as we move forward into that coming year. This year has been different, um, frustrating almost, because I've been wanting a word, and I find that this word, or many different words, have been coming in many different ways and many different iterations from many different people. So the, the good news is, is that there's a lot of affirmation and confirmation of what it is that God is speaking, but, but I, maybe it's my type A personality. I'm like, I just can't, I want a word. Lord, give me a word. And what I will say to you is this. Um, it's come in like words like arise, words like let's go, run, wake up, upward and onward. Like all of, of these words have just been coming and it's frustrating me because I'm like, I, I just, I, I'd like one of these. But what I feel like and what I want to speak over us today is this, that um, I feel like God is giving us an action, a movement, rather than a word. What I mean by that is that it will require something of us. A word is something to rally around and it's a great idea or a good thought, but an action or a movement is something that you have to choose to become a part of and to walk in step with and to align yourself with. And so, quite honestly, I've simply settled on a title for the message today, which is this, move forward. Move forward. Before we move forward, um, allow me to refresh your memory Almost exactly two years ago, if you're new around here, this will maybe be um, a refreshing of a memory. Um, for, but for some of you, if you haven't been around here for the past two years, then it'll just kind of give you a little bit of a background. Almost exactly two years ago, just a week before the big COVID shutdown, right? 2020. Uh, I preached a message and I mentioned in it a documentary about the underground revival happening in the country of Iran. And in it, there was this... Iranian Christian couple who were undergoing extreme persecution. And so they had the opportunity to seek asylum in the United States. And of course, they took it. So this couple, they come to the United States. And after a short time of being here in America, the wife began to plead with her husband to take her back home to, to Iran, um, to which he thought, that's crazy. Why would we want to move back to Iran where there's all sorts of oppression, where sharing your faith will result in persecution or incarceration or rape or even death, right? This was a big deal. And this is what I haven't been able to shake. This is what she said to him. She said, there is a satanic lullaby here in America. And all the Christians are sleepy. And now I'm feeling sleepy. And for two years, I have not been able to shake that statement because for her, spiritual apathy was a greater threat than persecution or death. And I would argue that Satan has been having a heyday 
the past two years. <laughs> in you personally, <laughs> and in our culture, in, our, in, the, in the church, in, in our nation, we are more isolated, we are more polarized, we are more fearful as a culture, we are more distrusting, we are more critical of most everything at this point. We don't, we don't trust anything or anyone. And, and we have this thing on the inside of us where we want to just go back to normal, but we have a fear that there may not be a normal to go back to. And in the midst of all of this, God has a plan. In the midst of all of this, he has a purpose for his people that we grow best under pressure. And if we are willing to walk in and to move forward, this could prove to be our finest hour. And this is the thing that has just like been rolling around and rumbling on the inside of me for this, well, for two years, but very specifically since, since the beginning of January. And as we move forward into this new year, I don't think that it's just the, the turning of a calendar page. It's not just like the moving to the next page in a book. I believe that we're moving into a new season, a whole new season, like part two of after part one of the book. I feel this weightiness that the time is now and that uh, the days are short. There is this urgency on the inside of me, like the alarm clock's going off, it's time to wake up. <laughs> Like it's time for the church to stop taking her cue from the kingdoms of this world. And it is time for the church to get out of bed and to be about our Father's business. And so there's, there's these things that are just like um, aching in me. Um, and I want to spend some time today there's in two sections of Scripture. And I don't normally do this, but there's two. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get into why there's two um, it's because the Lord wouldn't let me do one. So Ezekiel 37 and Joshua 4. Ezekiel 37 and Joshua 4. So if you've got your Bibles or you've got your phone, whatever you use, Ezekiel 37 and Joshua 4. We're going to start off talking about Ezekiel 37 and then we'll transition to Joshua 4. So Ezekiel 37, if you've... Um, if you've read or know about this story, it's essentially this, this vision, this dream that Ezekiel has where, um, and the title of it in your Bible is probably called The Valley of Dry Bones. Um, and we're going to start reading it together, and I'm just going to walk down through, and I want to give you just some, just really what I feel like is a prophetic message for us moving forward into 2022. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the, on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Pause here for a second. Have you ever noticed how good we are at describing our problems? I mean, we're like, we are experts at describing with great detail the autopsy of a negative situation, are we not? Man, we can, I, I can go out to a decent meal at a restaurant, and it's a good, it's fine, but it's forgettable. 
But if I have a bad experience at a restaurant, oh my gosh, like it's all I want to talk about. I mean, everything was wrong at that restaurant. Everything from the way I was served, the water was tepid, you know, like everything was wrong. Why? Because I didn't like the French fries or whatever it is. And we can describe it in detail. We just can't wait to get an audience to talk about how horrible my my restaurant experience was. And we see it in every single area of our life. Why? It's because bad news sells. It's why when you turn on the news, whether it's local or nationwide news, my goodness, it's very hard to find good news these days because we don't even want to watch good news. We just, we're just drawn into the drama of the bad news. And so we, we take the cue from the kingdom of this world and, and we find that it's very easy to remember bad news. We can remember it with, with pinpoint accuracy. My dad always says if he has a bad experience at a restaurant, he'll say, remind me never to go back here again. I'm like, Dad, you know nobody has to remind you never to go back here. Every time we pass by it, you say that. Like, literally, we just drive, yeah, remind me never to go. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, really? Like, because we just, this, this visceral response that we have to negativity, that um, we don't need people to remind us of it. And so God asks um, Ezekiel a curious question in verse 3. He's walking around and he, he's seeing these very dry bones. And he says, Ezekiel, he says, son of man, can these bones live? And I love how God makes Ezekiel look at these bones. Not somebody else's bones, not bones in general, not like, hey, if you, here's a hypothetical situation, but these bones, these bones that are very dry, these bones that are cracking under his feet. God says, hey, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I can't tell you how many times in my life God has forced me to look at the dry bones in my life and he says, can, do you think I can redeem this? <laughs> You know how maddening that is? When you just, you're looking at something dead, you're looking at something dry, and it is dry, dry. It is bone dry. It is exceedingly dry. And God livens in your spirit. Do you think I can redeem that? Are you stinking kidding me? And Ezekiel answers like probably most of us would. He just says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, you don't want to know my answer right? I'm looking at the dry bones. They're cracking under my feet. Honestly, I don't got faith for this thing to actually, this is bone dry. You don't want to know what, what my answer is, but holy, sovereign, omnipotent Lord, only you know, right? It's, it's a pretty safe answer. It's a safe answer for a guy that really doubts and, and lacks faith for the situation that God's calling him to speak faith into. In verse 4, he says to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So often, we look at our surroundings hoping that they will change themselves, right? Oh, this, I just, this horrible situation, hopefully it's just going to fix, it's just going to get better, it's just going to change itself. But I want to remind you, Christian, 
You are called to prophesy to your surroundings so that God can change them. What does that look like? It looks like this thing called prayer. The power of prayer. The power of prophecy. Speaking life over dry bones. It's just like when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, essentially taught us to pray. He says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when we pray, we are calling out and prophesying to our situation that heaven would come to earth. When we pray healing, we're praying healing from heaven to earth. We're praying all of these things. We're literally praying heaven down to earth. And so I would say this to you, and if you're taking notes this morning or you've got your notes, it says this, stop describing your problems and start declaring God's promises over your problems. Stop describing your problems and start declaring God's promises over your problems because we have become experts at at describing our problems rather than prophesying life into them. And I say this as, as just as, as a word of encouragement and even a word of correction, that, that we are called to prophesy life to the dry bones in our life. Dry bones, hopeless situation, wayward child, financial issues, relational discord, addiction. Hear the word of the Lord. Live. You, you are called not just to analyze and pick through and autopsy the problems of this world. Listen, everybody else is taking care of that for you. Everybody else is. It's the church that has the power of prophecy as we pray life into situations, as we say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's the one thing that, that, that God has called us to do, to prophesy to the dry bones in your life. And so I implore you this year, prophesy to the dry bones in your life and see what God wants to do. Because there is a demonic assignment to keep you silent. And we spend far too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time speaking to ourselves. And what I would encourage you to start doing is speaking to yourself and stop listening to yourself you got nothing good to think of. Start speaking life over the dry bones in your, in your life. Amen? And I'm telling you, God wants to breathe new life into dry bones this year. Just take that. There's a word, for, a word of the Lord. It is, it is low-hanging fruit to be critical and to walk around and to analyze and to describe our problems. It is common to be critical and negative and to, and to be suspicious and doubtful and faithless. But God has not called you to be common. He's called you to be peculiar. Amen? Amen? to choose to declare God's promises over your problems, to believe that dry bones can live even if they are exceedingly dry, to pray his will from heaven to earth. Verse seven, he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Sometimes, can I just tell you, sometimes you just gotta do it as you're commanded because you're like, I don't feel it. I mean, crack, crackety, crack, crack. These bones are so stinking dry. Can these live? I don't know. Never seen it happen before. Doubt that it's going to. But sometimes we just do it as we're commanded. Like, okay, I'm going to walk it. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to do it because he told me to. Okay, I'm going to. Yes, Lord, but you're going to have to do the heavy lifting. He's like, yeah, it's pretty much what I do. And this is, 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. And it says, and as I was prophesying, as I was prophesying, there was a noise. This rattling sound. And the bones came together. Bone to bone. And he says, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. Can I encourage you? When you begin to speak the word, of Lord, the word of the Lord over your surroundings, you will begin to see what God is doing in your surroundings. When you're not speaking the word of the Lord over your surroundings, all you're seeing is the junk. All you're seeing are the dry bones. When you begin to speak the word of the Lord over your surroundings, you will begin to see what it is that God's doing in your surroundings. Speak over those, the word of the Lord. God's wanting to do a new thing, so speak new life into those dry bones. And then it says this, but there was no breath in them. So they all got the flesh and the tendons, and then it says all these things, and it says, but, but there was no breath in them. They looked like they were alive. They had the semblance of life, but they had no breath. And the Lord was speaking to me this week that it's like a picture of his church. That sometimes we can look the part, we can do the things, we can serve him and, and be about his business, but, but we're running the race, but we're tired and we're out of breath. We're out of breath. And the word used here for breath is the Hebrew word ruach, which is most often translated spirit or wind. And the Lord just gave me a word and I don't know, maybe it's for someone in here today that um, some of the events that have happened to you recently have knocked the wind out of you. And the solution to your problem isn't what you think or what you've been trying to do. You need to catch your breath again. That you need the wind of God's spirit in you. You need to prophesy to the dry bones to live. So I don't know who that's for. I just had to get that out. Verse 9, it says this. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It is time to prophesy to the wind to catch your breath again. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's put this into practice. Let's take a moment. I know it's in the middle of everything. Let's just take a moment to prophesy to the dry bones in, in your life right now. As we've been talking about this and asking the Holy Spirit, what, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me about right now? What, is it that, what are the dry bones in my life that you're wanting me to prophesy life over? I want you to just take a moment before the Lord, that just take a little stretch break and just allow and, and just 
Sometimes you just do it as you're commanded. You're just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to speak over these dry bones, but they are exceedingly dry. And I, quite honestly, if you ask me, Pastor Justin or Lord, like, I don't, I don't see this happening, but I'm, I'm going to choose to speak life over to these dry bones. And so what are those dry bones between you and the Lord? Just say, God, what, what are the dry bones that you're wanting me to speak life over right now? Now, with that in mind, if, that, if, if, you're, if you're there, I encourage you to just speak over those things and just say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You could say it even out loud. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And we speak right now, Lord, to those dry bones, those areas of our life right now that we need... <laughs> We just need faith to believe that we've given up on, that we've just stopped even praying about or believing that you could, that you could do anything. Thank you, Lord. We speak life over them. And those that have their winds knocked out of them recently, I speak right now life over them. Come, breath of God, Breathe into your people right now that they may live. I pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit right now. God, do what only you can do and breathe life, new life, fresh wind into your people. Those that have had the wind knocked out of them recently, I pray that they would catch their breath again. And so we breathe fresh life into them. We prophesy your spirit over them. Fill them fresh. <laughs> I pray that even right now, as we're standing here, that miracles would be happening in this room. Lord, I pray that, that forgiveness would be, would, unforgiveness would be eradicated in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those, those dry bones of health issues right now would be healed right now, even as we speak, as we prophesy over those dry bones in those areas of our life. I pray right now that wayward children that some of you are praying for, that God is bringing them home. God is bringing them home. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen to be seated. So this year, continue, just as we did, continue to prophesy life over those dry bones this year and watch what God will do. I'm telling you, God is wanting to do a new thing. And he's not wanting to just do what he always has been doing. He's wanting to do a new thing in those areas of your life that have just been shut off, put in the closet, set aside, and lived with. He's wanting to do a new thing in those areas of your life. Amen? Now, turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Um, this is one of the most climactic events in biblical history. The Israelites are, have been in a waiting period and a preparation time for uh, 40 years. And now is the time. It is a pivotal moment. It is a new chapter that is opening up before them. This is part two, literally, they, kind of what I've been talking about. And it is time for them to move forward. They've been waiting. They've been walking around in the desert for 40 years. And it is now 
time. The, the alarm clock is going off. It is time to wake up. It is time to move. And it is time to move forward. And they have to move individually as well as corporately. Every single one of them has to make a decision to cross a river. And that is the thing that stands in between them and the promised land. They've got this river that they need to cross. And not only that, it is a river at flood stage. How many of you know that God oftentimes calls you to move forward when the timing looks the worst? He's like stacked up against you and he's like, great, move now. And you're like, now? This is not the time, right? And he's like, nope. No, it's time. You're like, well, wait, wait, wait a month, and then, and then I'll be able to do the thing that you're asking me to do. And he's like, no, I actually want you to move because I don't want you to think that you did it. <laughs> I actually don't want you getting credit for it, so I'm actually going to wait until it's a completely gorged river and then say go. So that you never in your memory think that you did something to be able to make it happen. And so what happens is they, they, they cross over on dry ground that the Lord literally holds back water in walls. I mean, just, it builds up. I don't even know what that looks like, but it, the, the Bible describes is that it, the water was built up and held back so that the Israelites could cross on dry ground. And you notice it says this, God makes a way, but you will still need to cross the river. What I mean by that is this. God can hold back the water, and God can do the miracle, and God can provide a way where there was no way, but every single one of us has to make a choice to cross the river ourselves. Nobody can do that for you. Amen? Sometimes we like other people to just do the hard work of like, well, God's just going to fix it. He's going to just make it happen. He's like, no, I'll do the hard work, but you're going to still have to walk. You're still going to have to be the one to choose to move forward, that you will always move into the promises of God by taking your next step. And sometimes we want God to take that next, next step for us. I'm just telling you, as you move into this next year, it will require something of you. It will require you to take a step out of your comfort zone from where you are into what it is that God has for you. He will make a way where there seems to be no way, but you're going to have to take a step of faith. And not one person can do that for you. Your spouse can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. Other people can't do that for you. You're going to have to take the move. And it always and always will be your responsibility to move forward in your faith. And so the whole nation decides individually and corporately, to move forward together. Watch what happens next. This is, this is crazy. Joshua 4, verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among, from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So let me just recap this in case you, you're not aware of, of what this, what's happening right here. Essentially, they all cross over to the other side of the river, and then they stop, and, jo and, and the Lord says to Joshua, I want you to choose 12 guys, and I want you to go backwards. And, and I want you to go back to the middle of the river, because the priests are still holding the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the river. They're like, hey, can we go too? 
We've been here forever. My legs are killing me, right? And he's like, no, I want you to go back and I want you to take the 12 stones literally from underneath the feet of where these priests are. And I want you to take 12 of these stones and I want you to take them back and I want you to stack them up in the place where you're camping tonight. So what are these stones all about? The Bible calls them the stones of remembrance. Two things, verses six and seven of Joshua four. They serve as two things. Verse six, to serve as a sign, that's the first thing, among, the, among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So God says, I want you to go back and when he takes some stones from the middle of the river that was once completely covered up, and I want you to take them and, and stack them up in the place where you're camping tonight. And they're there to serve as both a sign and a memorial. Now, what's the difference? A sign is something that points to something greater. Nobody, nobody on, on your trip to Disney World, nobody stops off the highway when they see the sign that says Disney World. Like, Arr! We're here, kids. Get, get, come on, get out. The cars are going on the highway, and you're just like, Disney World. It only took us 26 hours of a horrible family road trip to get here from Maine. You are welcome. We've been saving up for years, children, right? How, did, is, is this everything you thought it was going to be? Watch out, you're going to get ticks, right? I mean, like, literally, like, no, because nobody looks at a sign and thinks that it's the destination. We just know that it points to, to something greater. And so the place that they camped on the other side of the river was not the place that they were finally going to. It was a place called Gilgal, and they were actually headed to Jericho. And I would say this to you, don't confuse the riverbank with the promised land. My fear is that far too many Christians are living on the shore of the place where God last moved in their life. Thinking that it's the promised land. They get over, oh man, isn't this great? Hallelujah, did you see what God did? That's awesome. Let's just live here. And God's like, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a waypoint, not a destination. This is a place I want you to build this thing and I want you to stack these stones as, as a sign. To, but it, a sign isn't the place. A sign points you to the destination. It's a reminder of that you're not quite there yet, but just keep going. Amen? So don't confuse the riverbank with the promised land thinking that it's the destination. Don't get comfortable on the riverbank thinking that you are in the promised land. God is always calling us to move forward, upward, and onward, and he has new things for you. And so many times, I hope I can say this right, so many times we can short-circuit his promised plan by settling in his last provision. I'm going to say that again. So many times we can short-circuit his promised plan by settling in his last provision. We were like, God, it was awesome. Did you see that? I got a check in the mail, paid this thing, and everything. We camp out in the place of his last provision thinking that his last provision is the promised land, but it's not. It's a sign that points us onward. 
that we continually to move forward. We don't camp out in the place of his last provision. We move forward into the promise that he has for us. Amen? So there's this, this, uh, this understanding that he says, like, it, it, it's a sign. And it also is a memorial. That's the second thing God says. It acts as a memorial. What's a memorial? A memorial, a memorial is something that is meant to remind you of something else, which means that this, this pile of rocks wasn't supposed to, to, to simply be, hey, remember when we piled rocks up in Gilgal? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, we, yeah it was so cool. No, no, no. This was a physical reminder of these unreachable stones that were formerly buried underwater, accessible only by a miracle. He picked those things up and stacked them up as a physical reminder of the testimony of God's miracle. Why? Because we have an astounding ability to forget. We have an astounding ability to forget. In other words, God's saying, I want you to remember how you got here and who did it. I want you to remember who got you here and that it was in flood season. And I don't want you to think that you got where you are because of something that you did. All you did was choose to move forward as I made a way. And not only that, God wants his children and his children's children and his children's children's children bumping into this stack of stones and asking the question, hey, uh, what's... What is that? So that it can be, serve as a reminder of the testimony so you can tell the story of what God did. And this is what is in the heart of God. It has always been in the heart of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 says this. He says, only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Could it be that the reason that this next generation isn't so excited about the things of God be because that the former generation hasn't testified about what God has done in their life? It's this reality that your testimony is eternal, that your testimony is a legacy that will live on beyond you. And it is our responsibility to tell the stories of the things that God has done to bring faith for God to do it again. And as long as you live, just like Deuteronomy says, do not forget the things that you have seen or let them fade from your heart. And so I was asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what, what does Ezekiel 37 and Joshua 4 have to do with each other? Like, I don't understand. I feel like these are two different sermons. Which one can I, I, I should preach one or the other. And he said, preach both. I said, well, what do they have to do with each other? And the Holy Spirit dropped this in me. So I, I'm going to try to explain this as this. He says, your testimony is a powerful prophetic act of remembering as well as remembering. And I was like, what in the world? So bear with me. There's two words here, play on words. First one is remember. Remember is to essentially recall back from the past into the present, right? It's like telling the story. It's the, it's the, it's the essential um, activity of telling your testimony. You, you tell the stories of what God has done in your life, but it's much more than a story. Your testimony is a powerful prophetic act that remembers things. In other words, there's, there's two parts to the word remember. There's re and member. Re means to do it again, and member is a part of a whole. And so when we say remember, it means that we're essentially putting pieces back together again. It's Ezekiel 37. It's prophesying to the dry bones and click, 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 
all of a sudden those things start coming back into, in, into, into the way that they're supposed to be. That your, your testimony is a prophetic declaration of what God has done, but it also builds faith into others so that he can do it again. So that he can put the broken pieces of their life back together again by how he put the pieces of your life back together again. Amen? Amen? I'm telling you, if you're like, but I just don't know what to testify. I just don't know what my testimony is. Your testimony is the great things that God has done in your life, speaking into the... It's essentially like this. When you testify what God has done, it's as though you're taking the seed of a particular miracle and depositing it into new soil, into a new environment, and another miracle takes place. So when you declare your testimony of what God has done, it multiplies the miracle. So when God does something cool and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I'll have to hopefully remember that. Or maybe I'll write it in my prayer journal and just keep it to myself and not tell anybody. I'm just telling you, God says, no, I did that in you so that you could use it as a spiritual marker so that when people ask, hey, what's that about? You can tell them the story of what I've done so that you can bring back the missing pieces and parts in their life like I did with you. I want to multiply your miracle. And when we talk about your testimony, it's transferable. That's the beauty of our, of our testimony. It can be transferred to other people. It is literally speaking life into darkness. It is speaking hope into hopelessness. It is speaking life into dry bones. It's breathing God's spirit into dead things. But you don't understand, this is what's going on, and my marriage is this. And you're like, oh, let me tell you what God did in mine. Hallelujah. And they're like, what? And all of a sudden, you see that it's speaking light into darkness. It is the empowerment of God to put the pieces of someone else's life back together again. Your testimony isn't just a story. It ushers in the power of God to bring life into other people's. So how do we usher it in? First thing I said prophesy life to the dry bones of your life. And how do we do that? Intentionally testify of what God has done so that he can multiply your miracle and put other people's lives back together again. Why don't you stand with me? So when your children's children, your children's children, children's children, 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 if you live that long. And actually the cool part is it doesn't really matter if you live that long because it's eternal. It lives on beyond you. It is your, it is your legacy. When they ask, what do these stones mean? You say, oh, these? Ah, let me tell you. Um, this one, and this was like the first stone. This was the one when God saved me. Like, I was just going into ninth grade and he picked me up and accepted me and gave me identity and purpose and a calling that I never knew. This one's a heavy one. This one's cool. I've, one time, I was praying for someone that was having all kinds of like back and issues and stuff, and his, his leg grew right in front of my face. Freaked me out. Yeah. 
this one was funny. <clears throat> it was probably when my son was like eight or nine. I was working on my lawnmower for like an hour. I don't know how to work on lawnmowers. Just when I say working on, just throwing my back out, pulling it. And he says, Dad, why don't we pray over it? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's pray over it. And so I said, why don't you pray? And so he laid hands on my lawnmower and prayed. And I was like, okay, well, let's give it a go. Are you kidding me right now? This was fun. There's a kid in the youth group that had like a broken back. He was wearing a brace. And I prayed, I was praying over him. And I literally... I, was, I literally felt and heard his back snap, snap, crackle, pop, Rice Krispies underneath my hand, and, uh, and he's healed. Oh, man. Um, this one's kind of cool. Like, um, the cool thing about testimony is it doesn't have to be happen stuff that always happens to you. Sometimes it's just things that you witness. Other people, they're transferable. Um, one of my friends, his dad had a hearing loss, and um, in a meeting they were praying, and he said, all of a sudden he felt like a puff of air go in one ear and out the other, which is a little worrying. But <laughs> all of a sudden he could hear again. And we were testing him on the way home. We're like, can you, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And he could. And he could. He could. Um, <clears throat> ah, there's a kid in the youth group that had a, had a broken ankle and it was all swollen. And he, had, he took his brace off, and we were praying for it. And I literally watched his, his whole ankle deflate and he was healed. This is a big one. I'll come back to that. I've watched God, like, when I'm praying with people and stuff, like, I've watched him just melt, like, unforgiveness in people's lives and, uh, and heal relationships that have no business being healed. Stay. Uh, I've, uh, I've watched demons flee at the name of Jesus. Like, just, that really makes sense. This, uh, this one that I, that I had to come back to, um, my family was in a horrific car accident, and... Uh, should have lost one of them for sure. And uh, saved, saved us all. And I can keep going, but it's like the reality is that like uh, these are just memories of uh, reminders in, of me of uh, how I would just be uh, crazy. I would be a crazy person to deny God. I would, I would be insane. Some people are like, you're, you're insane to believe in God. I'm like, I'd be insane not to. Like, you'd have to put me in an insane asylum for me to be like, I don't think God's real. Huh? You're kidding me right now? And to you, it looks like a pile of rocks. And to me, these are stories. These are, uh, these are stories of what God has done, what I've seen him do. And uh, miracles that he wants to multiply. And so that when, when my kids or my kids' kids or your kids or you say, what do these mean? I can tell you. Let me tell you what God's done. It's pretty amazing. 
some crazy, crazy stuff. That's just not a pile of rocks. It's stories of the goodness of God. See, many times we pray for trees and God gives us seeds. Seeds to plant in the lives of other people so that God can do it again. Seeds that you can plant in somebody else's soil and watch it grow as faith is watering it. That, that's the beauty of what it is that God does in our life. He multiplies the miracle. And so today, as we play this last song together, if God has ever done anything in your life, I want you to come forward. And you can come at your own, um, at your own timing, whatever you want to during this last song. And then I've just got this little, little pouch with a few stones in it. You can add more stones to it, whatever you want to. And I want to encourage you, as your stones of remembrance, that you take these back to the place that you camp, your home. Maybe you set these out on your, your desk. Maybe you lay them on your dashboard of your vehicle. Maybe you put them in your kitchen, on the counter, or on your coffee table. And may they serve as the stones of remembrance of the things that God has done so that when anyone asks, what do those mean? You'll be able to tell them the great things that God has done. So as we sing, I'm not going to tell you when. You just come and get them. Amen? Let's sing.